All right, here we go. We are live. Episode 46 of the Lucas Grandsire podcast. Today we've got a very special guest, combat sports legend, recently inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame. Over 40 years in combat sports and we're not finished. Here with Bellator. What's going on, Mr. Burt Watson? How are you? Oh, I'm trying to make it, baby. How about yourself, man? I'm happy to be here, Lucas. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. When I say you're a legend, you know, people like to throw that term around, but for you, you could spend, I mean, I'm surprised you don't have like a million books out about yourself. I mean, it seems like you've done literally everything in this industry. Yeah. Well, well, uh, and, and, and to, to, to kind of dog tail off, off of that a little bit, I, I, I do, there, there's a book in the works and, and it will be, will be out soon. It's, you know, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, but like everything, you know, it, it's, it's about timing and about when you think something's right and you feel something's right and, and you got a story to tell. So I, I think that now is a pretty good time, you know, when it's all kind of ended up on the, on, on, on the spot where, you know, I, I'm just being inducted to the International Sports Hall of Fame, which was an absolute honor for me. You know, it's 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 been a long time and it's been quite a journey. And, and I'm just thankful that this is what they think of it. You know, this is what people think of the, the journey and, and, and what I've done. You know, it was a part of the uh, Arnold Classic, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Dr. Bob Goldman and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Fairfax Hackley. They they kind of put it all together and it, it was it was really really an awesome thing, man. My my grandson was there, and he actually picked up the medal. My son was there, who actually put it around my neck and and the jacket. You know, it was it was definitely awesome. It was, well, it's got to be good too for for the recognition, right? Because a lot of times people they do things, nobody says anything to them, but for this, it's like you know that's officially the recognition that you know you deserve, and you know people are paying attention. That is that is definitely the stamp, the seal of approval, and the fact that people are paying attention. And you know, Lucas, it's it's when uh, the event, like I said, was March fifth uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm sitting on the stage, and as they're going through, kind of building up to the presentation of the award, you know, he's going through my history. And I'm listening to it, you know, and I'm, man, you know, just listening to it. There was things in there that I had forgotten, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that I had forgotten that had happened and forgotten that I've gone past and apart, you know, and when he got through, I'm listening, I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know, where did that time go? But, but. You know, they, they brought awareness to it. And I'm just thankful that, you know, someone recognized it and, and they gave it to me. Well, what are you thinking as they're reading everything out loud? Are you realizing, like, you did all this stuff? Is there a part of you that's almost listening it, forgetting that you did everything? Like, what's going through your mind as they're reading it? As as they're reading it and I'm listening to it and I'm thinking and you're you're remembering it, you know. I actually, we had... On the inducting on the stage, there were seven other, six other people on the stage, and out of the six, I worked with four of them yeah. over my career. You know, Ken Shamrock, Vinny Pazienza, uh, Shannon Knapp, Stipe Myosik. 
I worked with those people in their careers when they were active and fighting and 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 rookies, you know, and and pro debuts, man. And while he's doing that, all of that's kind of flipping in my head, and um, it it I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been there, you know. So it was it was one of those kind of surreal moments listening to it and then seeing the people there and knowing that that actually did happen, you know. Sometimes, though, I look and I'm like, man, where's all that money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all that time, man, you know, but you burn, you, burn it, you burn it up quickly. You burn it and your time up quickly, man, but I couldn't ask for a better life. I couldn't ask for a, a better career. Now that I can look at it behind me and 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 being recognized for it, man, I, I I can't ask for it to have happened any better. And it did. It was legitimately a surreal moment. Well, when we look at your career, obviously you've had a lot of really cool moments. I mean, are you able to pinpoint one in particular? Like I know for me, looking at everything you did, it sounds like wrapping a championship belt around Nelson Mandela with Joe Frazier around that. I mean, that has to rank top five, top 10. That has to be up there. That's, 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 that's up there at the top. That yeah. is absolutely. I met, uh, I, I've got to say that, 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 you know, my initial meeting and coming together with, with Joe Frazier was the start of it all. But then that was a surreal moment for me to meet him because it was a very chance meeting that I met him and then that to, to go on into the career and then, you know, to, to, to meet when Nelson Mandela, cause he was a boxer uh, as a kid and as a young man. So when he got incarcerated and he did, I think it was 27 years when he got out, one of his requests was to meet Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. And this was at the United Nations building in New York. And he wanted to wanted to meet Muhammad. And, you know, Joe and I were sitting in a room and, he, you know, he said to me, what do you think I should take? You know, or, or what should I give him? And jokingly, I said, well, you can't give him flowers. So, I, I, <laughs> you know, and you can't give him no love, which in Joe Frazier's world meant money. Okay. So I, you know, and we're sitting in, we're sitting in the back office in the back of the gym and on this shelf, he had two trophies and that championship belt. And he said, I'm going to give him that belt. And that was the actual belt that he won in March 8th of 1971. He fought Muhammad Ali and he said, I'm going to give him that belt. And that was, I picked the belt up, took the belt home, <laughs> and kept it by my side until we went to New York to give it to Mandela. But that was, to meet Nelson Mandela like that was surreal. I did a, uh, in 1989, I did a video project called Champions Forever. And that video project was with Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton, and Larry Holmes narrated by uh, Reggie Jackson. 
And what it was, it was a culmination of those five guys fighting each other and the fights they had within the circle of five guys. That video project was a three-year tour. And we went to Buckingham Palace in front of the Queen. And that was pretty high up there. You know, and I thought that that was, you know, I'm standing there in this, and we had on formal tuxedos, I mean, the tails. Yeah. First time I ever had one of those things on, man. Yeah. And we're in here, and I'm looking, man, at those five guys standing there, and there's the queen. You know, and I'm like, because I'm from Philly, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hood rat from West Philly. <laughs> okay. So for me, that was, and I thought that was it. But then I got to meet Nelson Mandela, and that that kind of, you know. But I've I've had some moments in my career, you know, working with Joe Frazier and Muhammad and Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike Tyson, you know, and just different moments in working with those guys, you know, and 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 traveling with Joe and meeting different people. We were in New York once, uh, no, I'm sorry, in California. <clears throat> so we're in California and we're in a restaurant. We're meeting Sherman Hemsley, who at the time was really big, you know, uh, on moving on up <laughs> to the east side. And we were meeting him and his, Kenny Johnson, his manager at a restaurant. And Mickey Rourke was there. First time I got to meet Mickey Rourke. Yeah. You know, and we're sitting at a table. And so Mickey comes in and he's sitting down and we're at a table talking and the restaurant's a little dark. So then this, this, this lady comes in and she sits down and she sits down. She had this hat on her head. She sit down at the table and she, she sat to the head of the table up to the right, right next to Mickey Rourke. And he, He's leaning over like this, talking to her. So I couldn't really see her, but he's talking to her. So then she said something and started a conversation with Joe. So I kind of leaned back in Mickey's ear and said, uh, who is that, bro? Yeah. And he said to me, if you got to ask me who that is, you need to get up from this table. <laughs> and I, I didn't see her, didn't look. It was Madonna. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I I didn't get a good look at her. You know, she had the hat on, and you know, and <laughs> all this around. I, and it was Madonna, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, this is real. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that, she didn't hear. She didn't hear that. But no, you know. So I've had my moments, man. But are you realizing as this stuff is happening, just the the how big it is? Like you're with Joe Frazier, you're meeting Nelson Mandela. There's Madonna, Mickey Rourke walks in. Are you realizing at the time, or does it take some time to realize just what you were a part of? It 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 takes time. As I grew, I came up with a little birdism, and I got a I got a few of them, and I got one that says that history has a way of making you a part of it without you asking for it. That'll happen. And, you know, 
you don't know it's going to be history till it becomes history. And you don't know you're going to be a part of it until it is history. Right. You know, so all of those things, you know, never thinking at one moment the, the magnitude of it or how, you know, uh, on a scale of wherever it's going to go, how high up it is. Never, never. And not until, you know, now in my life and things like this, and I have interviews talking to you and I do other interviews and I start chatting out some of these things that have happened and, you know, it's, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm still enjoying it, man. I'm still having a good time and I have an even better time talking about it because it's, it's not all, not, not all, all the time you can sit and talk about things like that and it'd be the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not embellishing it, but you can't do that today. Okay. Because this internet will get you. <laughs> because all somebody's got to do is put your name and somebody else's name that you might have lied about and that internet will tell you he lying <laughs> so how, how did you get linked up with Joe Frazier because I believe the story goes I believe you met him one time you met him a second time you pretty much told him hire me or leave me alone is that right like what what, what happened there because that yeah. sounds incredibly bold to say that yeah. to Joe Frazier well I met I met Joe I run and, and I'm going to tell you it's the strangest thing, the strangest meeting. I met him, I was working in Manhattan uh, on Fifth Avenue. At the time, I was in fashion, if you can believe that. I worked for Levi Strauss. I sold piece goods to manufacturers of men's suits. So I worked in Manhattan and I would walk into work one morning and walking up, I was walking up 42nd Street to Fifth Avenue and there was a car accident. So the cars were pulled over and the traffic was stopped. And out of the car pops Joe Frazier. And I see him and I'm walking and I'm getting closer and I'm looking at him because the traffic was stopped, nobody could move. And he wanted to, wanted the traffic to move because he had some place to be. And I walked up to him, I, I walked up to him and I just said, hey, and he said, hey. You know, and I said, man, that's a horrible thing to be stuck in traffic, which was a horrible thing to say, <laughs> to say to him. But that started our conversation. So we started talking, you know, and I said, yeah, I'm here in New York and I work. And I said, you know, but I'm from Philly and bing. Yeah. That was it. I'm from Philly. He's from Philly. And he said, oh, you. You, you get to Philly much? I said, well, my parents are still in Philly. So I come back and forth to see my mom, see my dad every now and then. You know, and he said to me, the next time you're in Philly, stop by the gym. Now, this was, this was in 70, right after, right after he fought March 8th, 1971, right after he fought Muhammad Ali. So it was a couple of years or so. So I said, you know what? I will do that. One thing, time went by, and I was in Philly. I went by the gym. He wasn't there the first time. I went by the second time. Sure enough, he was there. And we started talking. With, and, and he, at the time, had a limousine service that he was starting as a part of his business, which I didn't know that Joe Frazier did that. Yeah. So. 
you know, we just, I kind of left. Tell you how history makes you a part of it without you asking it. About four or five years later, and we're friends kind of, not close, close friends, but we're friends enough to communicate. Because he was Joe Frazier, and I was Burt Watson. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, Joe Frazier, Burt Watson, you know. And so we're in, I'm in Philly, and my niece is getting married. A friend of my mother's gave my niece a wedding present. The wedding present was the limousine to drive her from my mother's house to the church. The limousine service that the woman connected was smoking Joe Fraser's limousine. Uh. The morning of my niece's wedding, Joe Fraser comes into the gym, picks up the clipboard, because back then we had clipboard, we didn't have computers, picked up the clipboard, saw my niece's wedding, and saw that the driver wasn't there. So you know what Joe Fraser did? He got in the limo and drove it. He shows wow. up at, he shows up at my mom's house in the limo, and my nephew comes in the house. My nephew says, Uncle Bert, the, the limo is out there, and uh, the guy said he'll park out front because there's no place for him to park. And he said, you know, that, that guy looks like somebody. <laughs> yeah, the guy. <laughs> yeah. He said, the guy looks like, looks like somebody. You know, uh, baseball, something. And I said, <laughs> okay, just let me go talk to him. I walk outside. I walk up to the car. Who rolls the window down but Joe Frazier? Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking about a surreal moment. I'm like, whoa, what are you yeah. doing here? And that just... Boom, there was our second meeting again. And that was it. From that point on, I started hanging out a little more because we were doing the wedding. We kind of, kind of, you know, got our friendships a little closer, a little closer. And then I started seeing them coming to the gym and staying in Philly a little more. And we started, and then we started going out to different clubs. Now, by this time, Joe was done. Joe had his last fight March 8th, 1971. I think it was Jumbo Cummings was his last fight. So he was hanging out. So we started going out and we were hanging out and I was going out with smoking Joe Frazier, baby. You couldn't tell me nothing, yeah. you know, nothing. I'd go out and people would come over with autographs and hugs and, you know, and every time somebody would come up, he would pull me over in front of him, talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was talking, <laughs> you know, he was pulling and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And then we leave and next weekend we do the same thing. I'd write down a person's number and put it in my pocket and take it to the office and give it to him. And it kept going like that. It kept going like that. And then we'd go out and we'd hang out until two o'clock in the morning, which was not my lifestyle, man. I just got out of the Marine Corps. Yeah. You know, I was still boot camp. But we did that, and we were going, and we were going, and we were drinking, and we were going, and we were drinking. And it got to a point, and then I had to go to work, okay, which was, I had a regular job. Right. You know, and it got to a point, man, with hanging out with Joe and drinking and, and calling it a night at 3 o'clock in the morning and then going to work the next morning. It got to a point one day I just said to him, you know what, Joe? <laughs> I said, you you got to do one or two things. 
He said, what's that? I said, you got to either give me a job or leave me the hell alone. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this no more. He said, you know what? He had a phone on the table, man. He said, pick that phone up and call him. Just like that. He said, you pick that wow. phone up, you call him. That was it. I didn't pick the phone up and call them because it was it was a Thursday. But I, you know what? That next, I kind of thought about it. Friday, Monday, I went in and I told him. That was the end of it. I gave him my two weeks notice and I was with Joe Frazier from that point on, man. And we just continued on. You know, and we started going places and he's pulling, then he's still pulling me in front of him. That's how I kind of inadvertently became his manager. But then we started, he had people around him, but then he started saying to me, we got a little too many people around us. <laughs> yeah. So that was up to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So I had to start cleaning house and, you know, and that was, oh, but that was, that was the beginning of it. I became his manager and it went on, it went on from there, you know, that was, that was, that was definitely, and I got to meet the people that I got to meet during my time with Joe Frazier is, is the list is unbe unbelievable, you know, for that time, I'd say I say Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. I don't know if you know who they are. I do, <laughs> but at at that time, that was Sean Penn and Madonna. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, bigger than that, you know, and Warren Beatty, and it was. I mean, I just, you know, there was time I was with Joe. I was doing this, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and, and it was, uh, but but what a what a what a life, what a life. And, you know, I, I stuck with him and, you know, then he started doing promotions and I started, you know, Marvis, he had Marvis. Joe had a promotion company where he promoted fights and and didn't have to promote because everybody knew Joe Frazier. So everybody wanted to have Joe Frazier's fighter on their card, whether he could fight or not. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted him on on his card, so I got to got to move around and working with Marvis Fraser. Joe at one point had six of his family members fighting at one time. He had Marvis Fraser, he had Rodney Fraser, who was also a heavyweight. He had Smoking Joe Fraser Jr., who looked like Joe did this and put him on the floor. All right, <laughs> he was he was every bit of Joe. He had Tyrone Mitchell Frazier. He had Mark Frazier. He had Anthony. He had about six guys fighting at one time. And we were, I mean, everybody, Don King, Butch Lewis, Lou Duva, everybody was using Joe's fighters. You know, USA Today, uh, 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 HBO, Showtime. And as he was moving, I was meeting all these people. And I got to meet all these people as we go along. And I didn't have time to sit down and talk to them because I was working. <laughs> but the people that he put me in front of was unbelievable. And through that, I got to 
worked with Bernard Hopkins and Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran and, and Tito Trinidad and on through Sugar Ray Leonard and, and Oscar De La Hoya and Mike Tyson. I did Mike Tyson's last six fights. Uh, Evander Holyfield, Layla Ali, which was an absolute trip. Yeah. Another surreal moment. In 2008, not only did Joe have all of his sons fighting, he eventually had his daughter fighting. And in 2008, I did a fight between Joe Frazier's daughter and Muhammad Ali's daughter. That was Layla Ali and, and Jackie Frazier. So that was Ali Frazier 4. Yeah. You know, and, and that was that was also surreal to do that fight with those two girls. And it was at the uh, Turning Stone Casino up in Canastoga, New York, which is now the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, so I did that fight, and it just it just culminated. And over my career, the only boxer, and I can sit down, son, and write you a list, the only boxer I never worked with from 1975 to 1995 is Lennox Lewis. Ah, That's the yeah. only one. Anybody else that you can name that was on television, I somehow did a show connected and I worked with them through wow. somebody. And I did that I did that until 1999 when I transitioned from boxing to MMA. Uh, speaking of MMA, I just want to touch on the UFC thing just a little bit. We, we've heard the story. Everybody knows what happened. But I am kind of curious about the, the big story is, of course, somebody was on the phone with you. They didn't talk to you the right way. And you right. sent a message, basically, and you're like, I'm done. Where does that kind of mindset come from? Because I've heard so many people say, like, oh, you're not going to talk to me like that. And as soon as their boss calls them, hey, how are you? Yes, thank you. And it's it feels like people talk about it, but you were really about it. Well, well, it's, it's, I'll tell you something, Lucas. When you, when you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about a lot. You know, when you work hard, you don't have to worry about keeping your job. You shouldn't have to worry about keeping your job. Because you work from your heart, you work because you know what you need to get done. And I've always been about that through my mom, you know, and through three years in the Marine Corps and Vietnam and all that other stuff, you know, I learned how to work and to work for real and to work hard. So I've always had that mindset and I always felt that when I was working and doing a job, I know that I was putting 110% and I know I was doing it right. And I never had to worry about my boss coming to me and saying, hey, uh, I heard, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he didn't have to do that because he could come right to me. And it was yes or no. It was done. And, and like I said, my mom, my family, and my Marine Corps, I learned that. So that, that was always with me. And that was how, when I started working with Joe Frazier, he saw that. And when I got to work with Tyson and, and Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, they saw that. So that has always been instilled in me. And then I transitioned in 1999, 2000, 
I did uh, Costa Zoo in Zab Judah in uh, Atlantic, in uh, Vegas. And the promoter said, hey, I got a guy that's doing this thing, and I want you to meet him, and, you know, it's going to be big, yada, yada, yada. And that guy was Dana White. God <laughs> brought Dana White to me, and I didn't know didn't know him. And it was between weigh-ins. And I said to the guy, I said, you know what? I said, I'll tell you, you pay me and respect me, you got me. Plain and simple. Pay me, respect me, you got me. And that was the first thing I said to Dana White. And I'll stand to that on this day, and I hope you're looking. <laughs> okay. So that was a mindset, and also I had, to, I had to back that up with good work. And I did that. So I always felt that, Lucas. I never felt any different. And if you ever challenged that, I was offended. If you ever questioned that, I was offended. Because you questioned it from a, I was getting ready to say a curse word, so I'm going to hold up on it. No, 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 feel free, feel free. This, you, you say know? anything you want. But you questioned it from a BS place, because I know what my work was. So, you know, and, and, I, and I know that. And when this guy, who was a head honcho there, questioned the way I did something with, with a fighter, and it was Mark Munoz. He questioned the way I did it. Immediately, he was wrong. I wasn't wrong. In my head, immediately he was wrong. And he questioned it. And when he questioned it, when he was done and he came at me, I went back at him. He gave me a right. I gave him a Joe Frazier left hook. Plain, <laughs> plain and simple. And 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 I, I, I didn't, you know... When I'm using that little metaphor, he threw a right and threw a left. Well, he couldn't fight because that shit he was throwing wasn't no, <laughs> it wasn't no good, you know. But but he questioned my integrity, he questioned my work ethics, and he questioned Burt Watson. And I just wasn't having. It. And when he said yes, I said no. And when he asked how, I didn't have to answer, and it that was the end of it. It, it went it went just like that and it was that quickly and I was I was offended I could have probably if 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 I cooler heads probably could have prevailed and I probably could have thought back and thought about it a little bit if I did I probably would have would have would have waffled on it but I wasn't because I was I was I was questioned and that there was no reason to question that my work ethics not after I had put 14 years on the table, bro. 14 good years and years of of cultivating George St. Pierre and 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 John Jones and, and Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Anderson Silva, you, you know, and Amanda Nunez. When I say cultivating, getting these people when they were rookies, yep. and taking them through. You know, and I wasn't gonna let somebody come in and question that because the proof was there that I had already established that, and I wasn't lying. So when he came to me and questioned me, he threw that right. I I, I gave him that left, baby, and that was that was the end of. So it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't hard to do. In fact, I it was on the phone. 
yeah. You know, and I said maybe we should do this conversation in the lobby. Now that would have been wrong. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything good would have come of that, but you know, so it happened, you know, that was seven years ago. Six or seven years, yeah, about that. You know, uh, but no, I'm not going to let you question my integrity or my work ethics. I will, I will, and, and, and now, now that I got that HOF over my name, I'm really not going <laughs> to let you question it. But, you know, now I'm, 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 I'm good. You know, uh, uh, I've, I've been kind of around in in in, in this world in MMA. I, I get nothing but respect from everybody, you know. And 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 now working with Bellator, you know, it's unbelievable. I I'm I'm so happy to be here, just to to still be relevant, to still be going after. A total of almost 40 years, man, between boxing and MMA is the time I've put in. If I ain't got it right by now, baby, I'll never get it right. <laughs> Fair, you enough. Fair enough. Uh, listen, one last thing, because we are going over our time. You are, of course, with Bellator. You've got a giant week or a giant few weeks, I should say. How crazy is everything going to be for you with uh, all these huge Bellator? Events? Oh man! But 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 you know what? We're, I told you about the time, but we're good because I like I, I like talking to you, so we're oh. good right now. We're good. I, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's good, man. We got right now. I'm in I'm in San Jose, and we got uh, a title fight this weekend with AJ McKee and Mauricio Pitbull. Which is which is awesome, off the hook, you know. Bellator, man, it, it's it's unbelievable, the momentum that they've picked up and 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 you know the popularity that they're that they they're getting. Uh, and then after this week, then we go to Hawaii. We go from San Jose to Hawaii, which is awesome. We actually got two fights in that week, and the first fight on that Friday next Friday is for the troops and first responders, which me being a former Marine, man, that's all heart for me. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing that. And then that culminating that with uh, Chris Cyborg and Alzi girl, <laughs> you know, it's going to be definitely off the hook. I think Liz Carmouche is on one of them, you know, so it's definitely, definitely awesome. And, and, and Bellator is, you know, it's it's really I'm blessed because I've managed to always work with good people and around good people and respectful people. You know, and I think I think I dug a pretty good hole, you know, to fall in. <laughs> you know, uh, but the people are, are awesome and it makes it easy. You know, and when they don't question <laughs> but I, I, I think they've already learned not to question mine. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's good. But Scott Coker is 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 awesome. Cariana is awesome. Everybody, everybody they got you know Jeff Miller. They got Mike Peroni, MJ. 
you know, and, you know, Gloria, you know, Sue. It, it's just, they got Geo. It's a whole group of nothing but good people, you know, that are working with them. You know, if I if I keep naming here, and one thing I've learned, you start naming, you miss the name, you're in trouble. Yep. <laughs> you're gonna get a text message. What the hell, man? Yeah, yeah, like man, you know. But but it's definitely definitely awesome, and I can see, you know, the show the, the show will be on Showtime, which is an awesome network, and working with them, and you know, working with Morrow and you know Josh. And, and Big John McCarthy, you know, and, and John and I, man, you know, we go way back. You know, uh, uh, when John McCarthy first did UFC one, whatever. But you know, we go we go way back. But it's it's definitely definitely, and I'm having a great time, man. Seriously. What, what kind of reception do you get from former UFC fighters that see you? Like, I'm trying to think of some people you're going to be working with coming up, like Yancey Medeiros, Corey Anderson. What, oh. uh, does everybody just shout, we rolling when they see you? Like, yes. what kind of reception do you get? Well, I I did a – I was at an event. Someone asked me to come to an event. I was at an event uh, this past December. We are now in uh, April. I was at an event this past December. And I was on a stage and I'm walking back. I'm, I'm answering that question, but I'm giving you a long answer on it. I'm walking back on the stage and I'm, I'm, I'm maneuvering fighters off and on. And there was a forklift that moved up on the stage in the back of the stage. And then at the time I was walking the fighter, the forklift moved to do something. I didn't see the forklift move. So I fell in a hole. I fell six feet and I broke four ribs. And that was back December. And I'm right now at a point where out of the four, three of them have healed and one is kind of trying to heal. And the first thing when they see me, even fighters I don't know, is re rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the first thing. The second thing they want to do is have me shout and scream that at a fight. Yeah. Well, for the past four months, I have not been able to breathe. Yeah. Okay. Let alone shout and scream. And this is probably the most animated I've been since December. Oh. You know, and everybody, everybody. And then what's crazy is that I see them, and the first thing they want to do is hug me. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've been around a group of fighters, but they don't know their strength. Yeah. None of them. Yeah. So now a high five and a handshake or a hug is a hug. No, it's not. Okay. That shit hurts. And they want to grab you and hug you. And then with me, you know, they see me. They, they're, they're glad to see me. They sneak up behind me, wrap their arms around me and pick me up. So yeah. now I'm walking around looking over my shoulder because I can't have somebody walk up behind me and grab me and pick me up. And Corey and Corey... Uh, man, the, I haven't seen Yancey yet. Yeah. But I will get to see him. But I've seen so many people, you know, corners and different people from that I've worked with from the UFC, or just in general, man. And everybody wants to hug and they want to, you know. And then even guys, right now I've had two or three guys on this card 
who, you know, it tells me how old I am when a, when, when, when a fighter says to me, I, I used to watch you as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what? You know, when I was five years old, man, I was, I was yelling, we rolling. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I do know I do know that now. And when they get to this point to tell me that that's what they've been waiting for their career is to have me walk them out of the dress room to the cage on a wee rolling. Yeah. You know, and I got two of them that asked me for this weekend. They're going to get it this weekend. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't have got it about a month ago. But but I, I get asked all the time, you know, and, and everybody is it's out of respect, you know, I, I think it's respect and I know how genuine it is because it's, it's the same with everybody, man. And I'm just, you know, I'm just thankful that it is that way, you know, that is that kind of respect, man. Cause I can imagine if, if, if I've heard people talk about people, <laughs> you know, and when they talk about you talk about you messing up, they talk about you bad. You know, but I've gotten, I've gotten, man, I'm, I'm telling you, the reception I've gotten from these guys, and that's everybody. Because with every fighter, there was somebody, you know, each fighter has two to three people with him. With every fighter, there's somebody, either the fighter or somebody in there that knows of me and my history, and they want it. They want that yelling and screaming. That's, I mean... I'm a, I listen to classical music, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how I start my morning with classical music. But they want that yelling. They want that we rolling. They want that loud and clear, you know. I mean, at, at what point did you realize that the we rolling, it, it's more than just you shouting at them. It's for some guys. That's how they know, like, I'm about to go out there. And I'm going to fight. Like, what point did you realize that's actually important for a lot of athletes? Well, I have always, Lucas, I became a coordinator because people say that, that they support the athlete and they're behind the athlete. I am behind the athletes and support. And I've always, always, always been concerned about athletes and their welfare, what it takes to cut weight and the condition and how they got to be and how they need to be treated. I've always been, that's always been a concern for me. So, you know, I, I always knew that athletes, especially when they're in the dressing room, you know, as opposed to just going up on a, on a guy in the dressing room and surprising him, <laughs> it's time to go fight yeah. when he's probably already scared to death. Okay. He's got no ner nerves, he's nervous and, and he's not ready. So I get them ready. I don't wait until it's time to go. I give an hour before a fight and I start yelling. You know, we got one hour. We got 5-0 to go. We got a dirty 30 before we roll to that hole, baby. You know, we got 2-5 before we go live. Whatever it takes to get to prepare them and help them and let them in their head. And some of them it scares to death. <laughs> okay. And some of them it don't, but they all... Are, they all appreciate the fact that they know when they're getting ready to fight. And I've seen how important that is for guys to know that. I'm very animated, which I guess you probably already know. 
But I started out walking. You know, they got this little thing that tells you how many steps you put on during the course of a day or how many steps you walk. It says on your phone. I looked at that one time and it was 36,000. All right. And that's, that's, that's a lot, but that's how much. So I'm saying that to say back in the day, I used to run in and out of every dress room all the time, yelling, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And I'd run in and out. And by the end of the night, the next day, my feet were this big (laughs) because I did all that running around and all in and out. So one day I said, I was in MGM Grand in the bottom of the basement where I could hear myself. And I said to myself, you know, I'm not walking down that hall no more. Ain't nobody back here but me. Nobody's running anything back here but me. There's no television back here but me. So I'm not running anymore. So I stood at the top of the hall where I knew everybody could hear me. And I yelled. Ah, that's smart. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. We rolling. And I went from we rolling, time to go to work. We rolling. You know what? Everybody heard it. And when they heard it, they knew it was time to roll to the hole, baby. And I said, from that point, I am never going down that hall again. From now on, I'm going to stand here in Paula. And you know what? It works. <laughs> I, can yell, I can yell, we rolling from wherever. And not only do the fighter that's getting ready to fight know, two fighters under him know that they're getting ready to get that. <laughs> Yeah. So it gets them going, and it, it it and I've had maybe one guy that said, "Mr. Burt, please." It, it makes me too nervous. <laughs> so you know what I said? You know what? I got you, baby. I'm here to help you, not to hurt you. You know, if you're scared of it, tell me. <laughs> yeah. But, but but you know, I I had one guy said that to me that it kind of got him, but for the most part, that's all they want, man. They want to hear we rolling and they want it good and loud, but it lets them know, man, you're getting ready to go to work, baby. You're getting ready to roll. When it's time to roll, you know, there's one way in and one way out, baby. And I got to get you there. And I, I do it and I do it good and loud. And, and where it comes from and, and why I haven't lost my voice by now, I I have no idea, man. You know, but I still got it. It still comes out good and loud. I'm getting a little older, but I'm still rolling, baby. What, what's the, with that being said, what's the craziest thing you've seen backstage? Because you hear guys that throw up like 10 times before going out there. Dudes get diarrhea right as they're about to walk out. I mean, yeah. what's the craziest thing you've seen? I've, 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 I've had that. I've had a couple of guys had to go to the bathroom in the holding area. Uh, I, I think, I think a guy passing out, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and this was a guy, and I won't embarrass him with his name, but this was a guy, I came in, and I could tell he was a little, something was, something was going on. Because when I went in there, and I got the fighter before him, his eyes got big. Yeah. And he disappeared. He went in the bathroom. 
So I kind of left that alone, came got the next fight. I didn't see him. Then it was his turn. And I went in there to get him and I pulled him out. When he walked out of the bathroom, walked in front of me, he passed out. <laughs> and he was the next fight. Yeah. You know, it was, luckily it was prelim. And luckily I had everybody prepare enough that we could go for the next fight right away. Cause I, 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 I'm always, always four fights deep, always. So I was good and prepared and ready to go. But that guy came and stood in front of me and said, boom. I thought he was, I thought, I didn't, I thought he was kidding, you know? Cause he stood in front and I mean, he disragged. He just went, sirs. <laughs> and he was out like a light, man. And we went and got the doctor. I brought the doctor back, you know, and they came and looked at him and the doctor said, you know what? It was nerves. He's all right. He's all right. But man, I, I know one guy and I, and I won't, I won't embarrass him by mentioning the name, but one guy that every time I did that, he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he had to go to when he when he knew he was next. I knew he was in the bathroom. So I'd go in there and see his leg, see his foot sitting down there. But <laughs> he had to go. You know, one guy had a bucket, and like you said about how guys kind of get rid of their lunch, like they did it two and three times. And I knew, so I kept a bucket there. I knew wow. this guy. This guy was like that. You know, women, same thing. Same thing. I've had them. I had one guy that got so nervous he wasn't going to fight. <laughs> he wasn't going to. I spent I spent twenty minutes convincing that guy, and I had I had to get him out there because he was the last he was the last fight before the main card, so I couldn't flip that around. Yeah. yeah. And when stuff like that goes down. It comes for one person, baby. And man, I had that was that was gymnastics with him. But I got him out there. I got him, out, and you know what? He got out there and he won. Uh, yeah, wow. And then, he, and then he came back and wanted to hug me, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ready to hug now. <laughs> yeah, all that shit you just put me through, you know. Yeah. But, but you know, it, it was it was good, and he he won this fight. But fighters. You know, I, I've always said that I always wanted fighters to know that they were not just there to get in that cage or that ring to get beat up. You know, somebody cares. You know, I care about you. And, and, and I care about your, your, your mental and, and your preparation and, and what it takes to get there. And believe it or not, I know. I know what it takes. I know what that walk is like from the dressing room to the ring or the cage. I know what that walk is like. I know what that walk is like when you're standing there and your and your music comes on in the holding area and you don't move until it hurt, hits a certain beat and you got the records, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And I'm standing there like, you go when you're ready, son, okay? And, and they do. I mean, it hits a certain beat and they move. Other than that, that music can go, they ain't going nowhere. But I understand that and I know that. So I let it go like that. But I do whatever I can to make sure that they got a good comfort level here and here. If those two things are in sync, 
then I got a guy that needs to be in that that needs to be in there. If they're not in sync, I don't need to I don't need to have him take that walk. So I do everything I can to prepare him for that, as opposed to trying to get around that happened and me figuring out what what to do next. But it's always it's always fighters first for me, you know. Fighters first and second, and then me. Always. You talk about you know giving that that speech to the fighter, doing the gymnastics, getting him out in the cage. What was it ultimately that you said to him that made it click? And he was like, "Yeah, I'm going out there. I'm going to kick this guy's ass." If you remember, I just told I told him I said, "You know what? This is what you do, and why you do it." And nobody else does it any better than you do. And if it was not for you, then I wouldn't be here. And this is your night, your fight. You need to go get that shit right. Plain and simple, baby. And if you don't feel that, then you don't need to be out there. I put a little more powder on it, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, and that's face-to-face. I do everything face-to-face. You know, and 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 it's 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 a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot to get out there. It's a lot to take that walk. It's a lot to train. It's a lot to cut weight. Then you got to get out in there and have somebody come at you to knock you out. Don't let it be easy for that guy to knock you out and come back in here and tell me how you got shifted. No, you handle your you handle your business. You handle your own. You know, and I tell them. Everybody in here can fight. Don't underestimate the other guy because you got 12 fights and he's got two. It only takes one. So you need to you need to know that you need to get it right and you need to feel it. And that's what I instill in them and 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 try to try to get over but you know it it I did that once <laughs> I tell you how fighters don't don't realize their strength. Yeah, I did that with Uriah Faber. I used, you know, I get them in the holding area, and I get right in their face, you know, and I get them going intentionally. Okay, I intentionally get them going, and they know that. And I'm going, and I'm going, and he's going, and I'm going. And I'm like, yeah, he's yeah. And I did it again. They did, and I threw my hand up to give him a high five, and he said, yeah. Bam! And it was like in slow motion. Oh no! Shit! <laughs> my hand, my body, my leg. Oh man! And this was Uriah Faber is not a tall fighter. No. He gave me that high five, man. And it was like this. All the whole, <laughs> the whole body went. Yeah. Man, I was like, oh, never again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next time I get him excited, I'm gonna do it from the side. Okay, <laughs> man, he gave me that high five and it went through my whole entire body, man. But you know what? You gotta love it, man. You gotta love it, and that's why the fans love it and the fans are there, and you know they enjoy it and they they enjoy seeing it. But there's a lot that goes into it, man. An awful lot. I feel like this is a great place to kind of end things. I mean, because people, I think, I think they don't realize what fighters go through mentally before the fights. And that kind of helps them realize like they're human beings. You know what I mean? People treat them like they're racehorses or whatever. That's actual people that have to go fight a guy. Like you're going to get anxiety. 
hundred percent. And 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 they got to be right. They got to be prepared, you know, to give you that show. And you know what? And not only that, but they got to do it again. Yeah. You know, you know, they got to be able to, to do it again, to come back and come out and go back and do it all over again. But you know what, guys, do it. You know, and 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 I make sure that they know that Bert Watson cares, that I care about you, baby. You know, and that I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to make everybody around me respect you. But you have to respect me and everybody else around so that together we can get that done. And we get it done, baby, all night long. All right, man. So to end things, uh, you have social media. I'm sure you have a bunch of stuff you like to plug. So if you have anything you want to plug, now's the time. Well, I I, I love communicating with people on social media. You know, I'm on Instagram. I'm I'm on I'm not on TikTok. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and everything is Burt Watson for real. One, two, three, four. Burt Watson for real. Touch me up, man. Hit me up, I'll hit you back. Hundred percent. I love communicating. You know, when I put something out there, just like it, just put one little like on it. You know, I'm gonna throw some stuff out on this fight, and then when I get to Hawaii, I'm gonna throw some more stuff with. Follow me and I'll follow you back, baby. You got my word on that. Burt Watson for real. And make sure you watch Legends to Legends on MMA Junkie. You can go now and see the past interviews with George St. Pierre, Randy Couture, Chael Sonnen. You know, it's off the chain. Legends to Legends, rolling with Burt Watson. MMA Junkie, baby. Boom. All right. Well, there we go. Thank you so much, Mr. Hall of Famer, Burt Watson, for the time. I truly appreciate so, so many great stories. I mean, so much stuff to unpack. I truly appreciate it. Uh, Lucas, I appreciate you, baby. And, uh, you know, anytime, next time, your time. I'm ready. I <laughs> appreciate that.